You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on Apple Podcasts, on iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at NolaJake on Twitter, here with you all on this Monday, the day after the weekend where the Pelicans go 0-2, putting their playoff chances in a little bit of question as they sit in the 8th seed, just a game now ahead of the Denver Nuggets. Not an ideal place to be with only five games left to go. We'll recap both these games to the Cavaliers, to the Thunder, as well as look at the standings in today's edition of Locked on Pelicans. So Friday night, the Pelicans took on the Cavaliers in Cleveland in a game that most thought the Pelicans could win. The matchup kind of was there. Kevin Love was feeling a little bit iffy. And then you had it where Rodney Hood left the game early. But it wasn't meant to be as the Pelicans fell 107-102, really a tale of two halves. Pelicans actually had a 13-point lead against Cleveland and let that slip away in the third, allowing LeBron James to score eight straight points, which really swung momentum in the favor of the Cavs. On the night, LeBron James finished with 27 points, 11 assists, 9 rebounds, almost getting a triple-double. 0 for 3, 0 for 4 from 3, though, however, which is what you like to see. And the Pelicans did a good job against the Cavaliers, running them off the line and not really giving them any good shots. The Cavs, though, were 10 of 24 uh, from deep. But you had Kevin Love go 0 for 6 for just 8 points. He was basically a non-factor. And then their bench kind of went red hot with Jordan Clarkson going 4 for 4, scoring 23 points, not really able anyone able on the Pels to keep up with him. Though the Pels had their own bench score in Nikola Mirotic, 20 points finally for the traded big man, 4 of 7 from deep, exactly kind of the breakout game he needed against a decent team. It's been the question, can he do it against good teams? But everyone else kind of looked a little bit listless out there. Yeah, Darius Miller was 3 of 4 from deep for 11 points. You got 7 points from Ian Clark and just 4 from Czech Diallo, but they needed some more scoring punch because some of the starters were largely ineffective. Each one more... Uh, scored just three points that game. Rajon Rondo came up with seven points, eight assists. Drew Holiday was effective. He was aggressive and exactly the playing the style of ball that you want to see out of him. 25 points on the night, only three three-point attempts. He was 12 of 18 overall. So that's 11 of 15 from inside the three-point line. Not able to really draw contact, didn't get to the free-throw line at all, but did finish with six rebounds, two assists. Um, though the turnovers, as we're going to talk about, especially with the next game and the Oklahoma City Thunder, were kind of an issue. He had six of them on the night. Not ideal. But the real story of this game was Anthony Davis, particularly in the second half. And he was not very effective. There's no other way to put it. Didn't look fully healthy. He did roll that ankle against Portland and, you know, couldn't really give the Pelicans quality minutes that they needed to see out of him. He did have 16 points on the night. Eight rebounds. That's good. That's great. But he was 6 of 19 from the field. That's 31.6%. He was a negative 20 on the night, a minus 20 and plus minus. By far the leader for the Pelicans in that regard. The aggressiveness also wasn't there from him. Of his 19 shots, 14 of them were from outside of the paint, that mid-range jumper, when really there wasn't anyone able to defend him. AD could have gone to the rim should he have felt like it or felt able to do so, 
And you saw that. So he wasn't looking like himself. You could see it every time he kind of came down on his feet after a jumper, which he was shooting most of. It didn't look particularly good. It has to leave you a little bit concerned. So he's not fully healthy. The question then actually kind of comes up, and it's got to be asked, and we're going to dispel this notion really quickly. If he's not effective in playing good basketball, and there were times in the Oklahoma City game where he wasn't either, do you have to put him on the bench and try and get someone else in there? And the answer is no, of course not. It's Anthony Davis. You're going to leave him out there because, frankly, this isn't exactly a deep team where you can throw someone else in who can give you those kind of quality minutes. It's not going to work. So you do have to leave him in there. So this was a rough game for the Pels. You know, this is... You know, uh, not one of the things that they wanted to see happen. This put kind of the standings in question. And they didn't play their style of ball. The good thing, though, was just 11 turnovers on the night, but only 44 points in the paint. You didn't really see many fast break points from them. They only scored four all night. They took six total free throw attempts. And again, this has nothing to do with the refs. This is just a lack of aggression and ability to get to the line from this Pelicans team. And all of this results in a 107-102 loss, which, as I said, puts the standings in question. But we'll take a look at those in the third segment. Also do want to mention in this game, you kind of question the defensive game plan from the Pelicans in this one, where they, especially in the third quarter when LeBron started taking over, were content to play one-on-one against him and let him just kind of score and put Solomon Hill on him out there. And Solomon Hill, who's not fully recovered from the injury, and also isn't going to be, no one's a LeBron stopper, just in general. This was a tough matchup. And you've got to wonder, maybe why didn't they try to double-team him and force someone else to beat the Pelicans, or at least, you know, try and get the ball out of LeBron's hands. The plan was to let him shoot jumpers, which he was doing, and he was taking those and not really getting to the rim like crazy, but he was making those jumpers. And at a certain point, this game plan clearly wasn't working. LeBron managed to get the Cavs right back into this game. They did have a 33-point third quarter. It wasn't ideal. So you got to throw some questions there at the coaching staff as well because their game plan was being executed to the point they wanted, that LeBron was shooting jumpers and they were keeping him in front of him. But it didn't end up working out overall, and that's not what you want to see here late in the playoff race. So coming up, we're going to look at the standings, talk about that. Denver had a big win the other night. The Clippers had a big loss, but what does it mean overall for the Pels? How do they look in tiebreakers, different things like that? So make sure you stick around for the third segment, but don't forget, subscribe to Locked On Pelicans so that you can get it daily. The only daily Pelicans podcast coming to you Monday through Friday, giving you everything you need to know about your favorite team. So yesterday in the Smoothie King Center, the Pelicans looked to snap a three-game losing streak and avoid making it four in a row as they really started to fall out of the playoff race, though they're in the playoffs, but now in the eighth seed, not really looking for home court advantage in the that third or fourth seed anymore. You're just looking to get in. With the Oklahoma City Thunder coming to town, this was a good opportunity as the two teams at the time, I think, sported the same record. So this was going to be a big one between these two teams. Actually, not the same record. Minnesota had one more win than the Pelicans, but they were tied in the loss column. But this was a game that does have standings implications. And it's one of those things where, again, you'd like to avoid finishing 7 or 8 in the Western Conference playoffs and trying it in that 6-5-4-3 spot so that you can at least have to face another team that's not named Houston or Golden State. So the Pelicans, unfortunately, not able to get it done. 109-104 in a game that was just I, I, other than the first quarter, this wasn't very good for the Pelicans. 
at all. And this five-point loss makes it look a lot closer than it actually really was. The Pelicans actually had a 28-20 lead after the first period, thanks to a 16-0 run they went on. And then if you want to look at it further, it was 19-5 run that the Pels went on. And they had that 10-point lead in the second quarter before letting that slip away as time went on. And it, it was a sloppy game for the Pels. Let's just say that. Let's look at the numbers from these guys, though. Anthony Davis in almost 40 minutes of play, 25 points, 11 rebounds, 3 assists, 4 turnovers. Turnovers were kind of a culprit in this one. 8 of 17 from the field, so 47.1%. Didn't take a 3-point attempt. Got to the line a lot, 11. That's more that, That's almost double what the Pelicans did total against the Cavaliers. So his aggressiveness was a little bit back. You could see he's still not right on that ankle. And before the game, head coach Alvin Gentry said, you know, against Portland, he probably wouldn't have come back into the game with that ankle injury if it wasn't such an important playoff implication game. He probably wouldn't have played against the Cavaliers if it wasn't just this stretch run during the season, showing how tough Anthony Davis is and trying to kind of play through this. But again, if it's limiting his effectiveness, you've got to wonder a little bit a little bit, and then quickly shoot those notions down because there's no one there to really replace him. So Anthony Davis, 25-11 and 11 on the night. Each one more had his shot going, 3 of 6 from deep, 15 points. You saw Rajon Rondo with 11 points, 9 assists. Again, 6 turnovers, though. That really hurt. He was left open from 3 in this one by the Thunder, and they kind of made the right choice. He was 1 of 5 from deep uh, in this game overall, but he was taking him because he was left wide wide open the bench you had ian clark doing some work 16 points he scored 11 i think in the first half was a little bit quiet after that but you gotta like what he gave you three of three from deep on the night miritich after that big game against the Cavs, showing he could still shoot the ball where he was four seven from deep over five had uh four total points on the night darius miller had his shot going though 14 points there and there were some decent offensive performances from the pelicans here they were 11 of 32 overall from deep 34.4 percent but they couldn't get this victory partially because 21 turnovers on the night that turned into 18 turnover points for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Again, you guys know I'm not huge on turnover points, but the 21 turnovers is going to limit your offense. Simple as that. And they were kind of bailed out. The reason this is closer than it really was, um, or sorry, that the, they only lost by five, which shows it being closer than it really was, was because the Thunder turned it over 18 total times and at times just wanted to give the Pelicans the ball the right back. Uh, ball right back. This was sloppy basketball, plain and simple. And one of my writers from LockedOnPelicans.com was there, sitting in the same section of me as me, and he was so frustrated with this game, he actually threw his soda on the ground. It made a mess, and it went everywhere. For the Thunder, Paul George, 27 points, had a pretty big game. You saw him with eight rebounds, two assists. He didn't shoot too well from deep, but had to go in early on in the game. Carmelo Anthony was 16 points. Four of eight from deep. He was on the bench for most of the first half with foul trouble, including one really bad one that he shouldn't have done. And then picked up a technical on the bench as well. Before kind of coming back in and then getting into a bit of a spat in the third quarter with Nikola Miritich, which earned Miritich a technical foul, and then kind of woke Carmelo Anthony up. Maybe not the best move there to kind of get right in his face on what was absolutely a delay of game call. I don't quite know the tech. I don't know what they said to each other. We couldn't really hear it. Melo's tech, though, came when he was on the bench from the ref on the opposite side of the court. So whatever he screamed and yelled at the ref must have been loud for them to hear it. 
Uh, then you had, of course, Russell Westbrook getting a triple-double, 26 points, 15 rebounds, 13 assists, but seven turnovers as well from him. Uh, and that was really it. You know, nothing big from these other guys. You had uh, Jeremy Grant kind of at times scoring at the rim way too easy. He was 5 of 5 from the uh, field on the night. All of them basically looks at the rim and just trying to score, not really contested. Not what you want to see from the Pelicans' defense overall. But they didn't play terribly. You know, in all of these losses, the Pelicans didn't play horribly here, which is now four straight. The loss to Portland, I think you saw them play particularly well. They had some fight in them, and had it just gotten anything more out of Anthony Davis in Cleveland's game on Friday, they have to win. He doesn't impact that game like you really felt he should have. Against the Oklahoma City Thunder, there were times when he did impact the game like you would have thought, but there were times where he just kind of vanished, and it made you wonder, What's going on? And Alvin Gentry said after the game, he thinks maybe the moment is really getting to this team, to the Pelicans, that they're not mentally there and they're trying to overthink things. They're in their own heads, really trying to push it too hard. He says they're playing very tight. They need to just get back to playing loose, their own style of basketball that they've been doing, that they kind of won that winning streak on, which they're not doing right now. Lack of ball movement in this one, uh, he said, led to a high number of turnovers, though they had... 28 assists, you know, that's pretty good here. Uh, the turnovers really were kind of in the half court of the one-on-one -on -one variety, and a lot of them are unforced errors. These are not passes that you're making that someone tipped and got their hands on. This was you just straight losing the ball. Not all turnovers are made equal. And you just have to be disappointed that these turnover issues, which were a big concern to start the year, are starting to crop up now at a bad time for this Pelicans team because they almost got some help on Sunday. The Clippers lost. The Denver Nuggets were in overtime. And as we talk about it in the next segment, I'll say what that means for this Pelicans team. But before I do that, don't forget, Locked On NBA is now five days a week, Monday through Friday, and I do co-host the Wednesday edition of that. So make sure you subscribe to Locked On NBA. So a quick look at the standings before we wrap up the podcast today, just kind of a quick one, recapping the weekend, getting you guys set for what is to come this week, where the Pelicans do have a couple of games playing the Memphis Grizzlies on Wednesday before going on the road and playing, I think it's the Golden State Warriors on Friday. West Coast trip on Friday, basically starting. So the Pelicans, after these four straight losses, are now 43-34, and 34, sitting in the eighth seed of the Western Conference playoff race. They're a game and a half behind seventh place Minnesota. They are, sorry, they're a half game behind seventh place Minnesota, a game behind sixth place Utah, then you get to a game and a half behind Oklahoma City, who's in five, and then two games back of San Antonio, who's in four, and I'm not even going to mention Portland because they're probably locked into the three seed at this point. So you're only two games back of the fourth seed or a game and a half back of the fifth and a game back of the sixth because you do want to avoid seven or eight, but, and that looks good. So the Pals are in the playoffs. They're still close to getting a better seed than seven or eight. That's the good news. The bad news is with that Denver win, Denver is now only a game behind New Orleans. New Orleans, I cannot speak today. Game behind New Orleans at 42 and 35 in that ninth spot. So the Pelicans are very close. Now just one game from falling out of the playoff race. The Clippers did lose 
on Sunday to the Portland Trail or to the Indiana Pacers. Thanks uh, to Coach Jamel McMillan's dad, Nate McMillan. That was a big one. Did us a favor there. And it puts them two games behind New Orleans with one more game to go between these two teams, which if the Pelicans win that will certainly seal the Clippers' fate. But most people seem to think that the Clippers are out of playoff contention at this point. Leaving Denver in the ninth seed is the main one the Pelicans need to worry about, but keep an eye on the Clippers. In terms of tiebreakers, New Orleans owns it over Oklahoma City. They have a chance to win the one against San Antonio on the final game of the regular season. They've lost it to Minnesota. They've lost it to Utah. So that's not in their favor there. The thing then becomes, though, that if both teams say they don't win the tiebreaker over San Antonio, and they're both 2-2 two and two at that point, which is what it would be should the Spurs win, the tiebreakers then become um, division leader when in, they're both in the same division, so that won't matter. But then it's going to take a look at division one loss percentage from teams in the same division. So you're going to have to look at like a third and fourth tiebreaker. San Antonio is 9-6 against the division. New Orleans is 7-7, seven and seven, giving San Antonio the advantage there. If the Pels can beat San Antonio and Memphis upcoming, that puts them at 9-7. and seven, And I don't know if San Antonio has any more division opponents. I don't believe so. Meaning that if they the Pelicans do win both those games, they should then tie that with San Antonio. And you go then to the fourth tiebreaker for a two-way tie, which is conference win-loss percentage. Which, again, I don't think the Pelicans, as I pull it up here... On the, on the conference, they're going to likely lose that with a record of 25, 22 and 25 against the Western Conference, while the Spurs are 27 and 20. But there's still time, especially if the Pelicans go 5 and 0 against all of these Western Conference teams over this upcoming, you know, five games remaining. So that's in their favor. Then things get a little bit tricky that if multiple teams end up tied with the same record. And that's where, in order of the tiebreakers are, the division leader wins a tie from a non-leading team. Uh, head-to-head, one loss percentage. But again, if they're all in the same thing, it's going to likely be evil, easy. Then it comes to division one loss percentage for teams in the same division. But it's really going to come down to conference one loss percentage. And with the Pelicans under 500 in the conference, not ideal for them. So basically, to... Make sure you have a good seed in the playoffs or you're in the playoffs. Just take care of business and win games. Control your destiny, which to get into the uh, the playoffs, the Pelicans do. They're game up on Denver. But that kind of controlling your destiny narrative is running out of time because all it's going to take is one loss for that to go away. And now all of a sudden you're in concern um, and the playoff hopes of this team are kind of maybe going to be dashed this late in the year. But running out of steam, kind of playing some bad basketball at a time where they really cannot afford to do that. So the Pelicans are now 0-4 over their last four, a four-game losing streak, not what you want at the end of the season in this big playoff push. And that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Pelicans. The good news is the Pels are still in the playoffs, and they don't have a game till Wednesday to kind of get their minds right, try and loosen up a little bit, and hopefully Alvin Gentry and staff can reach this team. So we got some time before that Wednesday game, so tomorrow we'll have some fun on the podcast, maybe get a guest. I'm not quite sure just yet. We can also do another mailbag if people have questions, so tweet me your questions you want to know about this Pelicans team at Nola Jake on Twitter. And as always, I'm your host, Jake Madison. Like I said, at Nola Jake on Twitter. I'll be back with you all tomorrow.